In fact, this scaffold constituted a portion of a penal machine which was held in the old time to be as effectual an agent in the promotion of good citizenship as ever was the guillotine among the terrorists of France. It was, in short, the platform of the pillory. She ascended a flight of wooden steps and was thus displayed to the surrounding multitude at about the height of a man's shoulders above the street. The witnesses of Hester Prynne's disgrace were stern enough to look upon her death, had that been the sentence, without a murmur at its severity, but had none of the heartlessness of another social state, which would find only a theme for jest in an exhibition like the present. Even had there been a disposition to turn the matter into ridicule, it must have been repressed and overpowered by the solemn presence of men no less dignified than the governor and several of his counselors, a judge, a general, and the ministers of the town, all of whom sat or stood in a balcony of the meeting-house, looking down upon the platform. Accordingly, the crowd was somber and grave. The unhappy culprit sustained herself as best a woman might, under the heavy weight of a thousand unrelenting eyes, all fastened upon her and concentrated at her bosom. It was almost intolerable to be borne. Yet there were intervals when the whole scene in which she was the most conspicuous object seemed to vanish from her eyes. Standing on that miserable eminence, she saw again her native village in old England, and her paternal home with its half-obliterated shield of arms over the portal. She saw her father's face with its bald brow and reverend white beard that flowed over the old-fashioned Elizabethan ruff, her mother's too, with a look of heedful and anxious love which it always wore in her remembrance. She saw her own face, glowing with girlish beauty, and illuminating all the interior of the dusky mirror in which she had been wont to gaze at it. There she beheld another countenance, a pale, thin, scholar-like visage, with eyes that had a strange, penetrating power, when it was their owner's purpose to read the human soul. This figure of the study in the cloister, as Hester Prynne's womanly fancy failed not to recall, was slightly deformed with the left shoulder a trifle higher than the right. Next rose before her, in memory's picture gallery, the intricate and narrow thoroughfares, the huge cathedrals of a continental city where a new life had awaited her, still in connection with the misshapen scholar. Lastly, in lieu of these shifting scenes, came back the rude marketplace of a Puritan settlement, with all the townspeople assembled and leveling their stern regards at Hester Prynne. Yes! at herself, who stood on the scaffold of the pillory, an infant on her arm, and the letter A in scarlet fantastically embroidered with gold thread upon her bosom. From this intense consciousness of being the object of severe and universal observation, the wearer of the scarlet letter was at length relieved by discerning on the outskirts of the crowd a figure which irresistibly took possession of her thoughts. An Indian in his native garb was standing there, but the red men were not so infrequent visitors of the English settlements that one of them would have attracted any notice from Hester Prynne at such a time. By the Indian's side, and evidently sustaining a companionship with him, stood a white man, clad in a strange array of civilized and savage costume. He was small in stature, with a furrowed visage. Although by a seemingly careless arrangement of his heterogeneous garb he had endeavored to conceal or abate the peculiarity, it was sufficiently evident to Hester Prynne that one of this man's shoulders rose higher than the other. When he found the eyes of Hester Prynne fastened on his own and saw that she appeared to recognize him, he slowly and calmly raised his finger 
made a gesture with it in the air, and laid it on his lips. Then he touched the shoulder of a townsman who stood next to him. I pray you, good sir, who is this woman, and why is she here set up to public shame? You must be a stranger in this region, friend, answered the townsman, else you would surely have heard of Mistress Hester Prynne and her evil doings. Yonder woman, sir, was the wife of a certain learned man, English by birth, but who had long dwelt in Amsterdam, whence, some good time ago, he was minded to cross over and cast in his lot with us of the Massachusetts. For this purpose, he sent his wife before him, remaining himself to look after some necessary affairs. In some two years or less that the woman has been a dweller here in Boston, no tidings have come of this learned gentleman, Master Prynne, his young wife being left to her own uh, misguidance.